Welcome to the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. Now enjoy the show. All right, guys, I want to tell you a little bit about Type 1 Lifting. So Type 1 Lifting is a clothing brand that proceeds of the shirts, the hats, and everything else go to the Children's Diabetes Foundation. This whole t-shirt company started from me taking care of a five-year-old girl from the emergency department at the Children's Hospital I worked at in Atlanta for a while back. Um, I thought I needed to do a little bit more than kind of just talk about my story. So this is how I started the clothing line because I wanted to show people that even though diabetics have this really bad disease, we can still do amazing things in our life and diabetes won't stop, you know, stop us reaching our goals. So go check out type1lifting.com. And, um, you know, if you have any questions, you can always reach me out on Instagram. It's type1lifting and hope you guys enjoy the show. Hey guys, we have a new sponsor for the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. The company's called Liberté Lifestyle. So Liberté is a French word meaning freedom, and the company was founded on the desire to have freedom to choose what we want to do with our lives. I actually had the owner, um, Nicole, on my podcast on episode 28, so if you want to go back and listen to her, um, she talks about how she started the company and what she wants to do in the future with the company, which is pretty cool. So uh, they actually have knee sleeves, wrist wraps, shirts, shorts. Uh, love the knee sleeves. I have the ice cream knee sleeves, and I love them so much. They haven't the neoprene's still good. Uh, the seams haven't split compared to other uh, knee sleeves that I have had in the past, uh, and I'm planning to keep these for a very, very long time. So uh, Nicole actually gave me a promo code for you guys too. So it's all capital letters, T-Y-P-E, and the number one. So it's type one. So go to LibertéLifestyle.com, uh, check out what they have in the store, use the promo code type one, and save some coin. Now let's go to the episode. All right, guys, welcome to a new episode of the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I have a, a weightlifting coach and weightlifter, Andrew Stegelman. How's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I know we've been kind of like talking back and forth and, you know, trying to get me to do a meet and I always get hurt at the time for some reason. So, but uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. So um, I, I was re reading up on you a little bit. So you live in Nashville right now? Yes, correct. So, so I've, I've, I live in Georgia, so I've been to Nashville a couple times only as like a, a visitor. So what is it like actually living in Nashville? Um, I mean, it's fun. There's a lot to do. Um, I came from Indiana where there's not a ton to do. So mm. being here first was super exciting. Uh, obviously being able to like go downtown and with all the people and all that. Um, but I guess, you know, that wears off pretty quickly. So, yeah. um, we, you know, we live, uh, quite a ways outside of like downtown. Um, but what, what I really like about being down here is all the stuff to do outdoors. So like mm -hmm. all the parks and stuff that we can go out and kind of adventure in. So, yeah. Yeah. How's the coffee shops up there? They're pretty solid. Coffee scene is pretty good in Nashville. Okay. Yeah, Are you a big I coffee guy? Kind of yes and no. I mean, my wife, like my wife is a big fan of like, she's a social media. And so she always looks at the graffiti walls. And so it just so happens that most of the graffiti walls are all like coffee shops. So we kind of go in there and kind of, you know, have something. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I'm not, I'm not a coffee snob or anything like that. So that's just, I, I don't know. I just, I, whatever, whatever works like iced Americana, no milk, barely any milk. And that's it. I'm good. Gotcha. I'm a big coffee guy. I really appreciate my coffee. So 
Yeah. So what's yeah. your, what's your favorite? Like, what do you like making? Um, I mean, I just do like, uh, pour overs. Okay. Um, yeah, just like hot coffee. Okay. But yeah, I, I can't do hot coffee. I've never, never could get used to like hot drinks at all. It's just always ice cold. I don't care if it's like negative 10 degrees out. <laughs> it's like, I'll still have a nice coffee in my hand. Yeah. It's a little tough during the summer when it's hot, but, um, that's the way I, I prefer it. So, okay. All right. And, um, I was also reading up that your, your wife is actually a Michigan athlete from the university of Michigan, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, so does that make you a Michigan fan or how's that work? <laughs> uh, I have learned to tolerate them. Um, <laughs> growing up in Indiana, I, uh, you know, had a, uh, uh, respectful disdain for Michigan. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's actually where we, we met was in Ann Arbor. I oh, was okay. uh, coaching up there at the time. So while I was up there, I, you know, I kind of learned to appreciate, I really like the city, the city of Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, I guess I learned to appreciate Michigan a little bit more being okay. up there. Yeah. I I'm a big Michigan fan and I've actually been to Ann Arbor and I, I think it's a pretty cool place, especially like during like the fall summertime. Mm -hmm. It's great. Like wintertime that I don't really care for it. So, cause it's too cold. It gets very cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, um, also, um, I saw that you have a degree in, in biology and also you have a doctorate in, in uh, physical therapy. So was that kind of the path that you were like leaning towards as like a, like a, you know, a future career? No, not at all. Um, basically from when I was, from when I started high school, my goal was to go to med school. Um, and I had taken the MCAT, like my senior year of college, mm -hmm. um, and all that and had my application ready to go. And I, was like really stressing out about it. And I was like, I think I'll take a year off, um, kind of like reassess, uh, maybe get some experience and then maybe apply at the end of that year. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started coaching was when I graduated from college. Um, and then through coaching, I was able to meet, um, some pretty cool people that were doing physical therapy and were working with athletes. And that kind of opened my mind to pursuing that as, um, a profession. So after a couple of years, I applied and ended up going to PT school. Okay. So, um, do you still practice right now at a clinic or are you just, you like, I never kinda, did. No. Never did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the weird part about graduating, uh, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, was that there were, there weren't a ton of jobs mm -hmm. available. Um, and so my wife got a job down here. We moved down here. I was looking around for jobs, really couldn't find much. And I knew that at some point I wanted to run my own business. So I was like, what the heck, I'll just go for it and go ahead and start it. Um, so I, I opened up in a CrossFit gym that I was coaching at and that's kind of how I got started. So I never, I mean, besides my clinical education in school, I never worked in a clinic. Okay. Did you, do you still, did you, I know you get your CrossFit level one certification. Did you use it like while you were coaching at the gym being like, Hey, you know, I'm a PT like, well, and like, you know, you may want to consider this instead of doing it this way. Was that, was that what you're doing? Like when you're coaching? Yeah. Uh, a little bit. I was, uh. I was a really bad salesperson. I would give away way too much like free <laughs> advice. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of just my general philosophy with physical therapy is really not to overtreat um, and to like reassure people that a lot of the small aches and pains that they deal with are usually going to resolve on their own. Mm -hmm. So, you know, someone would come up to me and they'd be like, ah, oh, my wrist is bothering me or my knee or whatever. And I'd be like, yeah, just keep an eye on it. Let me know what, you know, how it goes. And usually it, it goes away. Right. Yep. So, um, yeah, so I could have taken opportunity or taken advantage of that opportunity probably a lot better. <laughs> so, um, uh, what made you get into CrossFit? 
Um, so my aunt actually is the one that got me into CrossFit. So she, uh, had a degenerative, uh, back disease. And so she's dealing with some really bad back pain. Um, and I think someone suggested to her that she start lifting weights and exercising. So she got into CrossFit and of course she's telling the whole family, like how great and how wonderful this thing is. I'm like, what CrossFit, what is this? Um, but she's like, come try workout with me. Like, I promise you'll love it. So I did. And, um, the, the very first workout I did was, I believe it was called uh pain storm. It was a 45 minute barbell complex. Oh. that was like, <laughs> it was like deadlift clean front squat jerk, I think with like 95 pounds for 45 minutes, as many reps as possible. And I loved it. I was like, wow, this is awesome. I suck at it, but it was a lot of fun. So from there I was like all in, um, and yeah, basically took off from there. Okay. And then what, what, what made you get your, you know, level one? Did you, did you immediately wanted to start coaching? Like once you started doing CrossFit? Yes. So I ended up getting my level one within a few months of starting CrossFit. I was like, this is great. Um, I'd always loved working out and had an athletic background. And I'm like, this is something I really want to get into. Um, so I ended up getting my L1 pretty shortly thereafter. Okay. And then, uh, what, I mean, Obviously you're into weightlifting right now, but what, what, what was the reason why you didn't really like stick to CrossFit and just like moved over to the weightlifting side? Uh, let's see. I started CrossFit in 2013. Um, I did it for a few years. I actually moved up. Like I said, I moved up to Ann Arbor. Um, there's a, an opportunity for me to work at a gym up there full time. Um, so I moved up there uh, was coaching full-time doing CrossFit full-time. And I just, I, I don't know. I feel like I found out pretty quickly that the lifting weights was a part of it that I really enjoyed. Everything mm -hmm. else was fun and was great. Um, but I like pretty early on excelled at the lifting, especially the Olympic lifts, the snatch and the clean jerk. Um, so I really started to place more of an emphasis on those. And then we had a coach, uh, who came on board, who had a really strong background in, in weightlifting at the gym I was at. And I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about trying weightlifting. He's like, Hey, I'll, I'll program for you and coach for you. So that was, I think 2015 when I started doing that. And I pretty much from that point on just stuck with weightlifting. Okay. And, um, were there's like some points of you, like, you know, like doing, like getting programmed and stuff like that. Were you talking to that coach asking like, Hey, how can I program for myself? Or like what, you know, how do, how do I program so I can make myself better if I don't have you involved? Um, yeah. So that was one of the biggest things. Um, when I first started getting into weightlifting is I'm like, how do you program? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking all over the place. Like I was talking to this guy who's a, a really good coach. I sought out, uh, a bunch of, um, coaches that were kind of in the surrounding area. Fred Lowe. I don't know if you know who that is. No, I have no idea. Okay. He's, he's an Olympian, a multiple time, uh, Olympian. Um, and he has a gym in his basement. So I went up and trained with him a few times. Uh, he's in Livonia, which is close to Ann Arbor. Um, and then there's another weightlifting gym around there that I'd go and train at. And that was one of the biggest things. Uh, one of the biggest black boxes for me was like, how do you program? Um, and I thought there was just some like code, right? There's some formula. Um, but then obviously the more you're in the game, the more you start to realize different people have different styles. Um, they come from different backgrounds. And so there's no right way to program. 
uh, there's just different styles that may or may not work for different athletes. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about styles. So when you started, um, programming and learning how to program, what was your style in the beginning and has it, obviously it must've evolved to where it is now, but like, what were like, what was like the whole learning process of like, you know, just starting out programming to where you're at now? Yeah, I, uh, so Mike Bergner, I was, I was very fortunate to work with, uh, Mike Bergner, um, pretty early on. And he, my programming was pretty similar to basically I took a lot of the fundamentals that like I learned from him, mm -hmm. um, in that it, it looked like a lot of 70 to like 75, 80% work, right? Like a bunch of triples at in the classical lifts so in the snatch and the clean and jerk at like 70 to 80%. Um, and then squat to be similar. Um, it would be, you know, reps of anywhere from like 10 to three, um, percent ranges anywhere from like 70 to 80, 85%. So it was, it was a lot of, I would say it relatively lighter work, moderate weight work, um, with kind of high volumes. Um, and then I would say that as I've kind of progressed and as I've been exposed to like different systems, different coaches, my training has gotten higher intensities. So I would say the average weight that I program for my athletes has increased over time. Uh, and then the volume and frequency has kind of decreased because when mm -hmm. you're training that heavy you can't train heavy every single day. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can, you just have to be recovering optimally, which, which means probably sleeping like 20 hours a day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and like eating, you know, a million calories. Uh, so, but for most people, they're not going to be able to handle that style of training. But if you're able, if your body is able to manage that heavy style of training, that's the best way to get better at weightlifting because weightlifting is all about lifting as much weight as you can. Mm -hmm. Right. So yep. you need that, that exposure to those heavy weights. Yeah. So, um, funny thing you talk about Mike Bergner. So, um, I, so a while back I actually did his, his CrossFit program that he had on, on it was like, uh, Bergner, I, f I forget what the website was called, but it like, it like, so I just started right at the, the squat cycle. It was like literally a 12 week cycle of, of front squatting and back squatting. And it was like Monday, you'd get up to like 90% of like for like two or three and then like you do front squats of the same thing and then like you do wednesday and friday and for the 12 weeks i'm like good lord like how like how long is this happening like and like mm -hmm. everyone was complaining they're like this is this is way too long way way too long because like everyone's getting absolutely like just slammed against the wall but mm -hmm. i mean i i think i think with that squat cycle i think it was a huge help for me um to get to the weights that i have you know gotten to Mm -hmm. So for that 12, that 12 weeks, it was like, just, it was a grind sesh, just, just grinding the whole time. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the trouble you run into when you run a weightlifting program with, in addition to doing CrossFit, right? Because with weightlifting, you're squatting almost every session. Uh, and it's usually like that, like you said, high, either high volume or high intensity. Um, and so it's really tough to like be able to, uh, combine that with, um, you know, doing additional Metcons and stuff like that on top of that. If you're doing any type of squatting in a Metcon, right. It's super tough. If your legs are already destroyed from doing your squat workout. Yep. So. Yeah. So, um, when did you realize you wanted to like go on your own and start just programming for, you know, the average person or like the elite athletes? Um, I mean, I knew that like very early on that I wanted to coach, 
Um, and I knew that I wanted to run my own business at some point. Um, so it was just a matter of time for me. I, th I think that, um, you know, getting the degree, getting my, um, doctor in physical therapy gave me a lot of confidence. Uh, that's one of the things I was lacking previously as a coach is the ability to work with people that are injured. Mm -hmm. So having that, uh, having those tools in my toolbox, I think gave me a lot of confidence. Um, and then having, I've been very fortunate to have worked with, um, you know, a few different high level coaches, yeah. um, and, and learn quite a bit from them. So having the, the experience I took from there along with my education, um, you know, I, I was ready to kind of hit the ground running and start training people. Okay. So, um, how, how does the whole process go from, let's just say like, you know, I hire you as a coach, like what's the whole process, like step-by-step step from, you know, intro to, you know, going to a meet. Yeah. So people that come on board with me, um, what we'll do is we'll sit down initially for, it's basically a zoom call like this, where we sit down face to face, mm -hmm. uh, and we really dig deep into where you're currently at, what your goals are and how we're going to, how we're going to get you there. Um, so we look at injury history. We look at training history. Um, we look at the equipment you have available, your schedule, um, a bunch of different things that, that we'll dive into. And based on all of that information, I'll create a specific individualized plan for the person. Um, and everything I do is, is remote currently. So all the mm -hmm. athletes I'm working with are remote. So they have an app on their phone where I publish their programs on a weekly basis. They get the programs. Um, they complete the workouts, they film, uh, the, I asked them to film their, their top sets of the lifts. They send those through the app and then I'm able to provide technical analysis and feedback as well as I can see based on the movement, kind of how they're responding and be able to adjust the program, um, as a result. Okay. So people come on board, um, will, it usually takes a little, a uh, little bit of time, uh, of kind of toying around and me getting to kind of learn about you as an athlete and how you respond uh, to different things and different styles of training. Um, but, but generally we'll take someone through, you know, a pretty solid block of training. And then once we've done that, we can start looking for meets. And once we have a kind of, uh, a meet in mind, we can create a plan for how we're going to prepare and then how we're going to taper, um, to get that athlete ready to go for the meet. Okay. I, I how many clients do you have right now? And like, what's the max that you typically, you know, you deal with? I have, I currently have 20, um, I am not sure what the max is. I, <laughs> I, I would not sacrifice, um, quality. If, if I felt as if I were having to sacrifice the quality of my product for my athletes, then mm -hmm. I would stop taking on athletes. Um, I still feel like I have enough time to be able to continue to take people on at this time. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. So you're just kind of like testing the, like dipping your toes a little bit. I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll take like three more. And then I can see how that goes and then kind of keep on going a little bit more and more. Yeah. I I'm pretty selective too, with who I take. Um, I want people that are, uh, very, very goal oriented, um, very motivated and willing, willing to put in the work because I know that if you are willing to do that, then I can help provide you with the tools to be able to get to, to where you want to go. But if you're not motivated, if you're not willing to put in the work, then, you know, we'd be wasting both our times if, if you tried to come on board. Yeah. So, um, I've, obviously I follow you on Instagram and stuff like that. And you actually do show pictures of like your client, your clients actually progressing pretty well. I know there's like one guy, I, I, I don't, I don't remember his name, but like he's a real like tall, skinny guy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I see he, I've seen him, his lifts like progress a lot. Like it's going up in weight and I could see it. So <clears throat> with that, like what, what has been like your, you know, highlights of like training people and like seeing how they progress. So do you have like anyone, any, like a couple in particular that you like, Oh wow. Like, I can't believe you've gone from like here to here. Mm-hmm. So I think you're talking about bowl. His name is, uh, Anith. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a great kid. Uh, very, very good athlete. And he's, he's one of those guys that, like I said, he's just willing to put in the work and grind and it's been paying off. Um, his squat, man, I can't remember what his squat was when we started, but basically I asked him, I asked him to do, uh, a set of four at 95% in the back squat. And he got three and barely missed, uh, the fourth one. Um, so like if, I mean, if you're familiar with, you know, your percentages and like the numbers you can do, like that's pretty, uh, impressive. Plus you, I mean, we've been, we've been doing a ton of, uh, of squat volume and really pushing the squats. So, uh, he's actually, we're, we're doing a meet here in uh, a few weeks on the 24th of September. So we're, we're just kind of getting to the end of really pushing those squats. We're starting to taper and kind of prepare, uh, more for the classical lifts. Okay. But um, in terms of other other kind of highlights, um, I mean, I've had I've coached athletes. Uh, I coach athletes on the local, uh, national, and international levels. Uh, on the international level, it's uh, masters athletes that have competed at uh, Pan Ams. Um, and then recently, I had a girl that competed at the uh, Howard Cohen, which is a, a masters uh, national level me and she took second at that so that was oh, a, nice. that was a pretty cool yeah uh experience but yeah i mean i don't know i'm proud of all my athletes so it's hard to just pick a yeah, few I, I guess yeah i, I, I think i kind of threw i thought i could just like give you a curveball on that one so um I, so talking about the the first gentleman i, f- I forgot his name again i'm sorry but like Aneth. yeah anna so yeah. with him like i'm gonna pick on him a little bit so um what was your whole goal for him? Like, were you trying to get him like to a higher weight class or just kind of keep him in like a certain like weight class to kind of perform the weight, like to perform at your, you know, standards? Yeah, he's so he's, uh, it it was interesting with him when he came on board with me, he's like, Hey, I really enjoy weightlifting. It's, it's something that's, you know, that that's, that's fun. I, I like being fit and exercising and weightlifting is a fun way for me to do that. Right. And he's also a coach himself. So he, okay. he, he coaches, um, like fitness classes, um, and, and has personal training clients and stuff like that. So I think for him, it was also a way to kind of familiarize himself with weightlifting more so that he could start to use that as a modality. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as we started getting into it, I, anytime someone tells me that I'm like, okay, I respect that, but I see the potential in you and I see that you could be really good if you wanted to. So you know, we started to push and we started to increase. And the more he started doing it, the more he started enjoying it. And he ended up doing his first meet uh, a few months ago. Um, and after that point, he was like, all right, like, I really like this. I'm getting more serious about it. I can see myself like starting to push in this sport. Okay. Which gets me really excited. So now we're yeah. talking about qualifying for national level meets um, and stuff like that. So do you, do you think he's at the national level soon or? He's getting very close. So there's, um, there's a few different levels of national level competition in USA weightlifting. There's the American open or the North American open, 
um, which is kind of the base level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's North, uh, North American open finals. And then there's nationals, which is like the top, of the top. That's basically like elite in the, uh, in the U S so for him, we're trying to qualify him for kind of that first, that first level, the North American open series. Okay. And from there, you know, obviously we'll set our, our, our sights on the, the higher level meets. Okay. So, um, when you guys are at the meets, so how do you, you know, program for them at the meet and like warm up to, you know, picking certain numbers and stuff like that. So how does it go? Cause I obviously I've never, I've never been done one. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to doing one, but <laughs> I, I just kind of want to get like, how, like, how would you like coach somebody throughout like the whole day for them to do the meet? Yeah, it's uh it's meets are uh, pretty wild. Um, they, the, the way they work is really interesting. Uh, the weight on the bar is always going to increase, right? Which means, um, that depending on the weights you choose, so you get three attempts of each, right? Three attempts of the snatch, three attempts of the clean and jerk. And you have to be smart with the weights you choose. Um, but based on the weights, the numbers that you choose, and based on the number, the numbers that other athletes are choosing, there could be, you could go back to back to back. So you could take all three attempts back to back to back, or there could be a huge, um, you know, uh, delay between your first attempt and your second attempt. Um, it, 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 it all depends on the weights that people are choosing and the order that, uh, the, the lifts are going to go in. So as a coach, it's basically my job to look at the athletes, um, that are in your heat, see what their lifts are and try to figure out how much time you have until your first attempt, And then how much time you're going to have until the next one. And then the third one. And based on that, we're going to space out your warmups. Right. So for my athletes, I'll basically say, Hey, we're going to take the bar for three reps. Then we'll take 60 kilos, 80 kilos, hundred kilos, whatever that is up until their first attempt. And then based on the amount of time there is until that attempt, I'll space out those warm up attempts, um, so that they're, they're ready to go for that first, um, attempt on the platform. Okay. And so it's kind of like a game too, because you're, I, oh, this is what I've seen from like weightlifting competitions and stuff. So let's just say like, I, I need, I want to lift like 295. And then my next lift is like 315 or something like that, or like they're 305. So you'll have another, another person kind of change their number just to kind of make you go quicker. And then you mm-hmm. might lose a li- So is that kind of how it works too as well? Yeah. So you, you won't see that as much at local meets, but once you start to get to national level meets, you'll see that a lot. Um, because at national level meets, everyone's going to be a lot closer in terms of the attempts are taking, right? If you go to a local meet, you might have someone opening at 40 kilos and you might have someone opening at 120 kilos, right? So there's, there's a huge difference there. Yeah. When you, when you get to national level meets, everyone's a lot closer and the stakes are a lot higher, right? It's obviously a higher level of competition. So there's so much gamesmanship that goes into someone could be bluffing. They could say, Hey, I'm going to open it hundred kilos. Right. And as soon as it gets to them, boom, they bump up to 110. Um, because you get, you get to change each attempt three times. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's, there's so much gamesmanship that goes on in the back room and that's all the the coach's job is to be able to look at the board, see how people are bumping around and be able to adjust, uh, the game plan on the fly. 
And the athlete basically just sits there. And when the coach <laughs> says, Hey, lift that weight, they lift the weight and then they just sit back down. Yeah. So you want to keep, you know, all the stress off the athlete and try to keep it on yourself as a coach. Yeah. Is there, is there any like chatter in the back too, warming up at all from like other coaches to like other athletes, like they all chirp at each other, or is it kind of like just everyone just keeps to themselves and like, that's it. It's uh, it's pretty respectful. I mean, some people try to play like games, like walking in front of you and like, you know, doing stuff like that. But I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I, I don't think people are really like talking. I've never seen people like talking trash and stuff. So. Yeah. So it's like almost like a CrossFit competition, just like kind of like everyone's all friendly for a little bit and they just kind of keep themselves and, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I'd okay. say similar. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you actually do weightlifting too, as well. So, um, what, what are your numbers right now? And are you looking to do some more competitions this year? Yes, absolutely. Um, so my best numbers in competition are, uh, 115. So that's like 255, somewhere in that range. Um, and then 160, which is, uh, 352, Dag, um, that's... in the clean jerk. Yeah. And then in training, I've cleaned 160 and I've jerked 180, which is close to 400. So my jerk, my jerk is my strongest <laughs> lift by far. Insane. And how, how tall are you? Uh, about six foot five eleven. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, I, I heard, I, I was listening to like somebody on the barbell shrug, like a long, long time ago about like your percentages in like the weightlifting movements. So mm -hmm. do you have like a certain percentage you want to kind of keep it in? Like, you know, like a 30% gap between like one, you know, your top set for your snatch and like your, you know, maybe your top set for your clean and jerk or, or what's, what's the game plan for you? That. Yeah. I, so those, those percentages are good kind of place to start, but everyone's going to be different. Um, certain people are going to have strengths and, uh, and weaknesses that are different that people are going to be built different. Um, when it comes to the squats, I actually posted something about this recently, but, um, my goal is always to just push the squat as heavy as we can. Mm -hmm. Um, because usually, you know, when you push the squat up, especially the clean jerk is going to come up with it. The snatch is a little bit less related to like absolute strength. Um, but in general, if you push the squat up, kind of everything else tends to follow. Um, you know, you, there is the, there is such thing as kind of like being excessive or once you get to a certain level, if you continue to push the squat and you continue to put effort into pushing that up, whereas, you know, your lifts are down here, then you're kind of wasting energy, um, that could be going into the classical lifts, but very few people are at that point where their, their squat is so enormously strong, um, that they don't have to worry about pushing it up anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what do you do with people that get the stripper booty? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Uh, the first thing is just, I mean, my first line of attack is just focus on driving your chest up, focus on keeping your knees forwards. Um, and if that doesn't work, um, you can employ things like, uh, pauses and tempos and stuff like that. Um, generally, you know, people assume that it's due to weakness in the quad. So you can always throw in extra quad work, um, to kind of encourage the athlete to keep those knees forwards. But yeah, the, my, usually my, my first, um, strategy is going to be just to tell them, Hey, try not to do that. Try to keep your, <laughs> try to keep your hips underneath you, try to keep your knees forwards and keep your chest up. Um, and obviously if that fails, then there's other, other strategies you can use. Okay. That was a question for me, by the way, cause I, I don't know, for some reason, like I always do the stripper booty, 
all the time. And it's like, I always tell myself, even like when I start with the lift and I hold the bar up and I'm like, okay, shoulders. I always say shoulders. Cause I'm like, you got to lift the shoulders first. And then, mm-hmm. and then comes the, then comes the leg drive and then comes like, you know, hit the quads and then catch it. But it's just like, sometimes it's just like, it just goes right out the window and then the stripper booty just pops in. Oh, are you talking about in, I thought you were talking about in the squat. Are you talking oh, about in the pole? Oh, in the pole. I'm I'm sorry. In the, like the clean and jerk yeah. and like the, in the snatch. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. That can, that can be due to a number of reasons. Um, oftentimes that can be due to poor bracing. So maybe you're not starting in a strong position. Maybe you're not like pressing your feet into the ground well uh, and creating tension, you know, creating pressure in your abdomen and creating tension kind of in your back. Um, That's often, often what I see. If there's a change in back angle where the hips are kind of coming up early, um, it can often be due to kind of poor bracing in that starting position. Okay. All right. Um, I'll definitely put that in consideration. So I'll definitely try that. Cause I've, I've been doing, I've been doing that for years. And like, I just always try to t- tell myself, I'm like, all right, stop it. Like, you know, just use your shoulders and that's it. And then when it gets to like really, really heavy weight, then just the butt just goes right up immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And again, some of that may be, you know, if it's not just a bracing thing, some of that may be, maybe you need to do some like tempo pulls and stuff like that, where, where you're kind of pulling slow off the floor, mm-hmm. um, or even pauses, maybe a pause just off the floor or pause at the knee to like really reinforce those positions. But I would try, uh, the next time you're doing snatches or clean jerks, focus on that starting position and focus on like really pressing the feet into the ground, um, and, and bracing well in that starting position. See if that helps you out. Okay. Okay. And, um, we talked earlier. So like with the meets that, do you have any meets that you're doing this year? Like how many are you looking to do? Uh, generally I, I, I try to do a few a year. Um, I, my goal is to, uh, qualify for the American open finals. So I need to hit uh 282 total to do that. And I'm either going to try to find a meet in October, uh, to do that. Or the nice thing about COVID was they created these online qualifiers, mm-hmm. uh, or like virtual qualifiers where you can basically just like set up a camera, you film yourself weighing in, you set up a camera, uh, and you can record your lifts and use that to qualify. So worst case scenario, you know, if I can't find a meet, um, then I could just use that to, to qualify. Yeah. I think I didn't the American open do online qualifying for that. Cause I remember like Maddie Rogers and all those other people were like, they had the cameras and they were doing like the whole like zoom thing and like recording. That's how they did the meeting. Mm-hmm. They, they, and they said like, okay, this person's going up because they're, they're, this is their number. And then they, you know, they had to like finagle it that way. They had like, I don't know if they had like a couple of judges saying, okay, Maddie, you're up or, you know, you're up next and kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh there was a, it, so that's like a virtual meet. That's like, it's like an actual meet, but it's run virtually. This is just, these online qualifiers are just, you just film yourself lifting. You're not actually lifting oh, okay. against anyone. Okay. Um, one of my, one of my friends actually, um, he competed in, was it, I don't think it was Pan Ams. I think it was, uh, it was Por- Puerto Rico nationals. Um, and he was virtual. So he was here like in the States, but he was competing <laughs> in this like international competition yep. virtually. It was super weird. And like, it was, you know, the, the program is glitchy and all that. So, but it, it is what it is. So, um, who are your favorite weightlifters that you like to, you know, watch and kind of learn from? Ilya Ilian is probably my favorite of all time. You know who that is? Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, I loved him because he was just such a competitor. Like he would do whatever it took to win. Um, and 
like he just had, he had a mindset where he knew he was the best and he knew he was going to win mm-hmm. um, every session. I just, I really respect that. And yeah. he's, he's, his technique is like his timing in the jerk is just unreal. He has like one of the best jerks. Um, and obviously his clean was super great as well. Yeah. I remember when he, when he won the world record mm-hmm. at the time and he did the jerk and it was just like, it like, especially in slow motion of him just catching it and just slowly bringing the back leg up just to stand yep. up. And then like, <laughs> after he was done, he just like literally put his hands out like this and like, yep. he was like, I'm like, he's definitely, definitely a, um, a showman to tell you yes. like, definitely a showman like and especially yeah. after any lift he like, always raised his hand saying like are you not entertained you know yep. kind of <laughs> he's a lot of fun to watch he was like a, a, a rock star in weightlifting basically yeah so, so i haven't heard much about him lately so what what's happened with him yeah so you, did, did you hear that he got he got popped yeah i remember I remember hearing that yeah yeah um which was really unfortunate um that's, I mean, that's a whole nother rabbit hole talking about like, you know, PD use in, in sports. Um, but, uh, after that, obviously he, you know, it's, it's really hard to come back from that. And from what I understand, he was kind of, um, you know, the national team kind of like threw him aside and like basically abandoned him and like disowned him. Um, which, you know, they're likely the ones that are like administering these drugs to him. Um, so to kind of turn around and do that is, uh, it's a tough situation. Um, but I mean, he's still lifting, but obviously nowhere near at the level he was, you know, back in like 2015. Yeah. So, um, I also heard that the Olympics are not bringing the Olympic weightlifting competition back. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, there's just, there's a lot of, a lot of corruption and, um, you know, a lot of BS in the sport with the whole like testing and like PD use and stuff like that. And so, I mean, I see where they're coming from, right? Like people keep testing positive for drugs. Um, and they keep saying, Hey, if people are testing positive, they keep cutting the field down. So fewer and fewer athletes are, uh, competing in the Olympics and, you know, it just keeps happening. So, um, I see where they're coming from. It's really, unfortunate that that's happening because weightlifting is you know it's like one of the oldest sports and mm-hmm. it'd be really sad to not see it in the olympics um but there are other competitions you know worlds is is such a huge competition um for weightlifting so it's not the end of the world if if weightlifting gets kicked out of the olympics yeah so do you think people can make some good money out of just doing weightlifting because i know it's not like a well-known sport like you know at the NFL and like basketball or anything like that. But do you think someone can actually manage like a good lifestyle with like just doing weightlifting? Um, so Ilya got paid, I think he got a million dollars in a car or something like that for every, uh, gold he won on the international stage. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's in America. No, that's not happening. Um, I think, uh, our athletes, uh, the U S athletes get like a stipend, um, that um they can use on like living expenses and and stuff like that but no i I mean aside from getting like a bunch of sponsors and like even so even if you have like a bunch of sponsors um you're probably not going to make great money um i mean i think a lot of people are coaching um to kind of bring in extra money on the side and stuff like that uh so yeah no you're not you don't do weightlifting for you know, to get rich. Yeah. So what do you, do you have like any ideas or like any thoughts that, that could help them, you know, sustain a better lifestyle with weightlifting? 
Mm, I mean, yeah, that's tough. Uh, there was like, I mean, the, the IOC or sorry, the, uh, the, uh, uh, Olympic training center, OTC, um, was a spot where like athletes could go and basically, you know, again, they'd have like a stipend, they'd have a place to like live and like train and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, that's not gonna, that's not gonna support like a, a, a great lifestyle outside of weightlifting, but at yeah. least it's a place where if you're passionate about it, you know, you have the opportunity to kind of train full time and just worry about that. Yeah. So, um, do you think that the on, on YouTube, like weightlifting house and like Zach Talander, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know if I said his name right, but do you think mm-hmm. like those guys and like other people in like the weightlifting space are helping the community kind of make this weightlifting co- like community grow a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, everyone knows it. like CrossFit was like the greatest thing for weightlifting, right? I mean, yeah. that's how I, that's how I got into weightlifting. Yep. That's how a ton of people have gotten into weightlifting. Uh, Zach Thielander, I'm pretty sure he, same thing was, it came from like CrossFit, uh, and, and Seb actually from weightlifting house, he came from CrossFit as well. Um, so where was I going with that? I can't remember. <laughs> about YouTube, about YouTube and like getting like, you know, more, more okay. eyes, eyes on weightlifting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think, you know, um, with weightlifting house, I think Seb is doing a, a really great job of like growing the sport and like making it more mainstream. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it can't hurt. I think more exposure is good for the sport, I guess. Yeah. Do you want, you want to do a YouTube channel? No, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I tried early on. I'm like, this is so much work. I don't have the time to like sit down here and like edit these videos and yeah. Yeah. It, it's hard. It's, it's even like just creating content all the time. You're like, okay, this is what I want to do this time. And it, like, you could only, I, I mean, you could only really do so much on the snatch and the cleaning jerk. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can only see so much, but like, maybe you can see like a couple of people like lifting a certain, like, you know, certain amount of kilograms and you're like, oh, okay, that's crazy. And then another person kind of doing the same thing too. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know if you could do really anything else, maybe like videotape, like accessory works or something like that. Or just like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for someone that's like a purist weightlifter, like myself, um, I mean, it's always just great to see high level lifters lifting heavyweights, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it's like, Hey, this isn't the most weight that's ever been done before. It's still, I appreciate like just going through, you know, and seeing like hook grip, um, and like all those, uh, different accounts that are posting these videos. Like it's always great to see high level athletes doing their thing. Um, and especially if you're like really into the sport, I think. Yeah, I know. I agree. So, um, I'm, I'm always watching like the Chinese lifters lift cause they're like just insane and my i always wanted to ask like a weightlifter this question so why has china been like so dominant for like so (laughs) amount of time like so long like how did how does this happen that's a very good question uh and i don't think we entirely have the answer um they tend to dominate more of these smaller weight classes so not so much uh you know the heavier weights the supers um They've got a huge pool of athletes, right? I mean, China's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, they have these state-funded training camps where, you know, a bunch of athletes get funneled in. They get to take their pick of, like, the best ones. Um, and they have a system that, you know, a standardized, like, basically state system that they've been working with um, for years and, like, perfecting for years. So 
what it, what is the exact answer? I don't know. Um, but I, I, I just know that they have a ton of athletes to choose from and there's people that are like third string on like the Chinese national team that would be world record holders if the other two people weren't there. Right. Like yeah. their, their depth is just insane. Yeah. So, when you get like millions and millions of people and then like, you can kind of like pick whatever you want or like the, 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 the country picks like what you want to do, like, Oh, you're weightlifting that you're going to be a weightlifter mm -hmm. now. So yeah, yep. I mean, I, I could see that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I kind of want to go back with like when you were through coaching. So you said you've, you know, met a whole bunch of, you know, coaches that are like, like very high up in the weightlifting, uh, you know, space. Mm -hmm. What, what have some of, some of the coaches that you've trained with and what have you learned from, you know, them that actually goes into your programming? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Fred, Fred Lowe, um, like I said, he's one of the people that I, I worked with early on. Um, basically both him and Bergner, um, I kind of took away a lot of the same things from both of them. The biggest thing is keep it simple. Um, I see this all the time with like people that are just starting or like new coaches who are just starting to coach. They're trying to like totally overcomplicate and like dig into all the like small faults and like details of like movement, which was me when I was starting. Um, I remember the first session I was with, uh, Mike and he was watching me lift. I did a snatch and I walked over to him and I was like, Hey, like, what do you think? You know, I think I was, I was maybe a little on my toes and like the bar was slightly out of position here and like this and that and that. And he's like, it looks fantastic. Um, he's like, the only thing I want you to do is I want you to keep pulling on that bar. Right. Cause I was getting a little disconnected in the turnover. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? I was like, really? I was expecting this like super complex, like complicated <laughs> yeah. answer. Yep. And he's like, no, it looks great. I was like, oh, um, which is just something that like over time as a coach, the more lifts you see, the more you start to realize what needs to be addressed and what doesn't need to be right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a big thing with, with them was like keeping it simple. Um, let's see. I trained with Louis Simmons. Uh, for a while, I did an internship with him. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, Louis, West, West Side. Yeah, I saw the. Yeah. I saw the. Was it? I think it was was on Netflix. The West Side documentary. Yeah, West Side versus the World. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I learned a ton from Louis. He threw basically everything um, I knew on my head when I went and trained with him. Uh, biggest thing with him that I, I think I took away from him was uh, train heavy. Like I, I was not pushing nearly heavy enough in, in basically any of my lifts. Um, and then, um, you know, he was big on variation. I think that's, that's, uh, you know, different coaches will have different, different opinions on whether training needs to be super specific. So just snatch and clean and jerk, or whether you need uh, a, a lot of different exercise and a lot of variation. Um, I kind of go back and forth and with my athletes, I'll sometimes go through phases of being more specific um, and then phases of being more general and kind of working different capabilities and stuff like that. So a lot of that I took away from, uh, from Lou. Um, and then with him is also just like hard work, man. Like <laughs> you just got to work hard if you want to be strong, um, which, you know, I think some people don't appreciate. So um, let's see. Then when I moved down here to Nashville, I trained with, uh, Osmond Manzanares, who's uh, he's a former Olympian. Um, and with his style, it was actually, so it's funny, his, the way he programmed um, when I first came in and started training with him was not that different from 
kind of what Louis suggested at uh, Westside, which was one day a week is kind of max effort or like a, you're, you're building up to a, a max in the snatch and the clean and jerk. Um, and then the other days are going to be more kind of dynamic effort or like speed days where you're working with percentages, um, Mm -hmm. and kind of doing more reps and stuff like that. Obviously it's a little bit different with weightlifting, but, uh, kind of a, a very similar type of approach and similar in that the percentages were super high. Um, so like I said, when I first started out, I was training it kind of, I'd go through blocks of like 70, 75, maybe 80%. Um, I remember coming down here and basically training would start at 80% and up. Um, basically the lightest weights, uh, that we'd kind of hit would be 80%. And mm-hmm. from there it would only be heavier. Um, so again, that style of training, it's great, but you have to be very smart with, um, how you are, you have to monitor the athlete's response and monitor their fatigue level because you can get overtrained really quickly yeah. um, if you're training that way. Yeah. So I, th- I think Cal strength does something like that. They do like a max out Friday. Yeah. 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 A lot of, a, a, a lot of, uh, coaches will do that. They'll have like a heavy, you know, one day a week that's heavy, um, whether it's the snatch and clean jerk or whether it's some variation, but yeah, that way, like I said, the weightlifting is the sport of lifting as much as you can in the snatch and the clean jerk. So you probably want to do that pretty often. Yeah. Um, if you're going to be good at weightlifting. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, we're getting close to the end. So um, I do, I, well, I had one of the questions was about the, the raccoon and the fox, but that was your, your, your two cats. So um, how, yeah, yeah. how many animals do you have? Uh, just the two, uh, okay. two cats. Yeah. Okay. Cause like I was reading, I was reading about like, you know, the Instagram post about like about me and I saw him like, how does that dude have a raccoon and a fox? And I was like, I don't know if I read it wrong. And I was just like, then I talked to you and I'm like, oh wait, they're cats. So what was the reason why you named them? That I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, my wife and I, we got them in um, when I was in PT school in 2017, I think. Um, we just thought those names were cute, I guess. Okay. Okay. So are you, are you looking to like move out of Nashville at all? Or are you, are you just like, you're, you're going to be there for good, not for good, but like at least for like a good amount of time. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I really like it, uh, here in Tennessee. I, I think, uh, this is a great state. Um, I mean, eventually maybe some point we'll move back closer to family. So my family's in Indiana, um, and Elizabeth's family's in Ohio. So maybe back to the Midwest at some point, but I don't know for now we like it down here. Okay. Okay. So, um, one of the questions I have is, do you have any goals for the rest of the year? Could it be like either personal or, you know, coaching wise or like, you know, whatever, like what, what are your goals for the rest of the year? That's a good question. Uh, specifically for me, um, in terms of my training, I want to qualify for North American open finals. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my goal for this year. And then nationals qualify for nationals for next year. Um, in terms of my business, I mean, I'm just, I get super jacked up and super passionate about helping people to realize their potential and be able to get them to, you know, compete at the highest levels that they can. Mm -hmm. So my goal is just to help my athletes get as strong as freaking possible so that we can get them to qualify for, you know, the highest meets that they possibly can, um, and do as well as they can at those meets. So, okay. All right. All right. Very good. Um, so do you have a favorite book you like to read or like give it out as a gift? Um, it could be anything fiction, nonfiction. I'm looking over at my books. Oh, uh, so a classic would have to be super training. You ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
it's like the the bible of like strength training basically yep. yeah um that's a really good one a mindset book that i like um i think it's called uh relentless yes by uh tim grover you ever read that one i've, I've heard of it i've never read it though okay that's a good i i'm really big on like mindset uh stuff and that's i think that was a really big book for me um so yeah okay um so hold on uh what is in your gym bag um shoes tape some uh knee sleeves a belt but i don't use my belt anymore at all well that's impressive um airpods that's it do you, so do you lift with the airpods airpods in your ear sometimes yeah yeah, I can't do that because I've done it once and I snatched and like the AirPod just like fell out of my ear and just like landed on the floor. And so I was like hold, holding the bar up and I'm like, uh, so I kind of like moved out of the way a little bit and kind of dropped it so I didn't have to. So you, you didn't know, crush them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I I don't I don't live with any AirPods in, in me whatsoever. Gotcha. All right. Um. So let's now we're getting a little deep on this one. Um. So let's just say this is your you know, last day on earth, you're lying in your bed and you have all your friends around you. How do you want people to know you as? Oh man, that's tough. Um, man, I think, uh, to know me as someone that, that, uh, really, like I said, really, uh, cares about people kind of cares about their journey and kind of really wants to kind of pull the best out of people um and show them you know what they can be and what they're capable of um yeah okay all right awesome so um where can people reach out to you if they have any questions about like you know getting a coach you know programming or any pt stuff wise like where, where can they reach you uh instagram is going to be the best um so my uh instagram handle is segelman underscore underscore yeah underscore performance so. yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, also I'm on Facebook, but I don't use that nearly as much. Um, I have a website that people can message me, uh, through, but like I said, I'm on Instagram the most. I think that's the best platform. Okay. So, um, one other question. So do you use Instagram a lot to like, kind of reach out to your client, like reach out to like new clients and stuff? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I'll have people sometimes message me on there. Um, they're interested about programming and stuff. And so it's a good place to kind of start conversations. Um, and you know, I'll, 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 uh, talk to different lifters I see. And if, if anyone is ever interested in like having a coach or something, like I said, it's a good place to, to kind of start. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Andrew, thank you for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. You know, I, I've, you know, I've known you for pretty much like a couple months now, like, like mm -hmm. six months, half a year. And, you know, I wanted to, you know, hear your story and kind of how you got into weightlifting and, you know, thank you for taking the time to, you know hearing your story and, and you know hopefully someone can get someone can get be your your next client well i appreciate you having for having me on tom uh this has been this has been awesome so right. thank you yeah have a good one all right you too don't don't hang up yet don't hang up yet